Okay, guys, welcome back to our final teaching in chapter 13 of Revelation as we were talking about the Antichrist. Right? When we're talking in verse 1 through 10, it is basically about the person of the Antichrist, how that he has been infused with the powers of Satan, given his authority. And when they say I speak of authority, it means his his powers to rule over the kingdoms of men. Okay. And the Antichrist is given this power at the beginning of the great tribulation, the latter three and a half years, how he in this power given by his father, literal father, Satan is moving has caused the world to worship him because of his resurrection from the dead. World worships the Antichrist. Therefore, worshiping Satan himself. And then he moves in this rampage against all Christians, that is, all believers in Jesus at this time, to put them to death. And as for the rest of the world, we're going to see what he begins to do through this additional person. And this is what we're getting ready to talk about. Okay. Remember, we talked earlier about how Satan mimics. God in that which he is. He also mimics God in his person. We know that God in his being, rather, in his being. God exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And like God, Satan also mimics him in this aspect as well. We have already seen Satan, and who, who will be depicted as God the Father, and not just simply depicted, but notice what it says. As you worship the Antichrist, you actually are worshiping Satan. Same thing. As we worship our Lord Jesus, and we do, because he is God. And we also, through him, worshiped the worship Jesus, worship God the Father through him. Same thing on this satanic trinity side. As we, as they, bad guys, Worshipping the Antichrist, they are actually worshiping Satan, the father. So Antichrist is the false son. But notice there's the Trinity. So we need to deal with the third member of the false Trinity as Satan tries to mimic God. And this is what this final section is all about. We will call the Bible calls him the false prophet. And in other places, Revelation 16, I'm sorry the other beast. I get them confused because it's synonymous. It's the same thing. Call him, call him another beast who is the false prophet. And he will be functioning as the third member of this unholy trinity of Satan. Okay. Like the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, indwells the believers, indwells right now. We are now filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that Holy Spirit do? It moves inside of us to acknowledge the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And in that, such worship and faith is directed to God the Father. Okay? We will see this particular one the remainder of Revelation, the false, pro the other beast, who is the false prophet, is going to encourage mankind. Hey, y'all, 
this man, the Antichrist, is the son of God. And in acknowledging that the Antichrist is the son of God, you worship Satan himself. You see it now? So now we have the holy, unholy trinity. Satan, the father, Antichrist, the son. And now, as we're about to talk about, the false prophet here or the other beast, he will act as the Holy Spirit. Okay. With that said, 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon. So he exercises. Let me just read a little more. All the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. So now let's stop. So what did he say? I saw another beast. See it now. Okay. This is not another antichrist. This, as we'll talk about, and we'll see that in chapter 16, when it talked about the beast who, do, who, does, who does the signs, he'll be called the false prophet. And that's what we'll see in verse number 13. But let's go back to where we are. This one coming up, coming up out of the earth. The whole idea of coming up out of the earth simply means he is just a man. Okay. The distinction that they are drawing is, remember, the Antichrist is not just a man. He's also of Satan himself. He's Satan. Remember, Satan took a human woman and created a son, the Antichrist. Now, this one comes simply out of the earth. He is a man just like we are. Okay, that's why I use this coming out of the earth. Having the two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. The two horns like, okay, this is the idea that is being brought here is that this is the fake religious system, the worship of the Antichrist. You'll see that. And he speaks and he seems gentle in nature, gentle in nature, as he is going to try to move people to worship the Antichrist. He seems gentle, meek, and mild. But nevertheless, his true nature he just can't avoid his true nature. That's why he says, but still he spoke like a dragon, which takes us all the way back. Remember, who is the dragon? Satan himself is the dragon. So he can't avoid who's really empowering and influencing him. It is Satan himself. So this is the false prophet that we're being introduced, who is just a man like we are. Now we're going to see what he is doing, what his purposes, purposes. Well, we can sing we purpose is because his purpose for the most part is singular. He exercises the authority of the first beast in his presence. OK. So the power he has power, this man has power. But he does not have power because he gained it from Satan himself. Remember, the Antichrist is the son of Satan who receives power from Satan himself. But this man, notice, he has power. He exercises authority. But where does his power come from? The power of the false prophet, the next beast that we're seeing here, comes from the first beast, the Antichrist. So it is the Antichrist who empowers the false prophet. That's why I keep saying in his presence, 
in his presence. That is, why is this man able to do these things? Not because Satan empowers him, but because the Antichrist empowers him. So whether this power with him is permanent, with the Antichrist, his power is permanent all, all the time, all the times with him. The false prophet here, this guy here, his power seemed that it may not be with him all the time, but only with reference, with respect to the Antichrist. Take the Antichrist out of the picture, he ain't got nothing. You got it? And so that seems to be the sense that the scriptures are given. But nevertheless, so it is unto and for the purpose of and derived from all of those things that this other beast, false prophet, will get his power. And what will he do? His singular purpose. He makes the earth, those who dwell in it, to worship the first beast. Who, and which one are you talking about? The one whose fatest womb was here. Okay, break it down. I don't want to get too fast. The, the purpose, singular, of the false prophet is to get the whole world. This man will tell the world, worship the Antichrist. That's it. This, that's it. And then notice it harps again on the fact. If you remember on my previous video that I talked about this beast whose womb was healed. It brings that idea back again. Whose fatal wound was healed? What am I trying to say here? The emphasis is being placed again on the resurrection of the dead. So here's the false prophet. This man is unique. That is the Antichrist. Why? What other man has risen from the dead? And so he's using that Antichrist resurrection from the dead as the reasoning why the whole world should worship him. And that's what he's saying here. Okay. 13. So what's going on? He performs this other beast, great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs, which was given him to perform. Notice the language again in the presence of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Let's stop. So the false prophet, this other beast, what does he do? Remember we said he acts like the spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do? Watch this. The Holy Spirit indwelled men to perform great signs. What happened with, for example, the apostles, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit indwelled them and enabled them to perform great signs. And the reason why they perform great signs, and this is how it always works. This is how it always works. So I'll slow it down a little bit. I must, with the apostles, where I am, I'm gonna give you this. The apostles, and this is what makes them apostles, were eyewitnesses that Jesus rose from the dead. They saw that, okay? They saw him in resurrected bodily form. That's why we can't be apostles today. We haven't witnessed that. But that's what they saw. And they went to preach the gospel. That is the gospel. Jesus rose from the dead. 
That's an astounding message. Why in the world should somebody believe that? Only a few group of pe few select people saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 15. 500, a few over 500. So why should we believe that? I mean, why should people believe the apostles? Then the apostles started doing great signs. Peter walking and all of a sudden his shadow overcast people and, and they get he what what the world just happened why did that who are you or he goes into the house what was the name Tabitha and raises her from the dead who, what the devil is that the reason why or they're getting ready to go into the temple to worship men begging for money and silver and gold I don't have but I do have something power of God through the Holy Spirit such as I have, I give unto you. What do you have in the name of Jesus? Because of who Jesus is, who he is, what he has done, that God raised him from the dead. Walk now. Walk. <laughs> so Holy Spirit empowered them. And therefore, it gave credence to their message. Believability. That what we are saying that Jesus rose from the dead actually did happen. Spirit bears witness to the message. And that's what it's all about. In the same way, in the same way, miraculous powers that Jesus had in the same way. He did those. Some people say miracles. The proper translation understanding is signs. The reason why Jesus did those signs was to authenticate his person and his message. Indeed, I am the Messiah, the son of God. How do you know? Watch this, <laughs> watch this, watch that. Then what does that tell you? It tells you that I must be who I claim to be. So in the same way, and how, how did Jesus do this? I think it was Acts chapter 10. The Bible said how he was filled with the Holy Spirit and did these marvelous things. How did the apostles do these things? Of course, they were filled by the Holy Spirit. And what was the whole point? What was the whole point? Listen to my message. With all of that being said, now let's turn to this guy, false prophet, the third member, he acting like the Holy Spirit of the unholy Trinity. What is he doing? Performing great signs, why? so that he can deceive the whole world. Notice verse number 14, 14, that make telling those who dwell on the earth, make an image to the beast whose womb had come to life. In other words, worship the beast, worship the beast. Same thing. So now you see how the whole issue of this ungodly, unholy Trinity is now being filled. Satan, the father antichrist the son and this other beast, the false prophet, acting like he is the Holy Spirit, the unholy Trinity. But nevertheless, so now he says, going back to 14 so that we'll understand it and close it out. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. So, so he has just like Jesus did things to prove his point. He's the Messiah, son of God. Apostles did things to prove that Jesus. So this false guy does. He does signs. But notice again, in the presence of the beast, derivative, derivative. 
He doesn't get his power from Satan. He gets his power from the Antichrist himself. And it seems that he is limited because it always talks about whatever he's doing in the presence of the beast on behalf of the beast. Telling them to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Notice again, and it's about to wear me out <laughs> in saying it. Everything is built on that resurrection of the dead. Go back. If you haven't seen me, the deal, talk about that. That's why we are Christians today. Resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's why they will try to worship. That's why they will unsaved folk worship the Antichrist, his resurrection of the dead. And it keeps mentioning the wound. He has come to life, come to life. He was dead and he resurrected. So that's the whole point as the resurrection of the dead was the point of our of the preaching that led to our salvation. It would be the resurrection of the dead for the Antichrist would be the whole precipice for the preaching of why people should worship him. OK. Something else. Let me bring out in this verse before I move forward. When it talks about telling everybody who's who dwell on the earth. Remember, those people who will accept will be people. Remember, as I just said earlier, whose name was not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, unsaved people. The beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Now, notice it says in verse number 14, had, which is a present tense. I'm sorry, past tense verb, past tense verb. OK, but that's not what the Greek says. The Greek uses a present tense verb. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up. So it would mean this. This is a proper way to translate it. The beast who has the wound of the sword and has come to life. Reason why I bring it up simply is this is <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Present tense verb. When the Antichrist here is killed, he will have a wound from from being killed. Remember, we talked about that earlier, being killed in a war, in a battle that he has previously. Daniel 11. OK. When the Antichrist is raised from the dead, that wound on the Antichrist will be still visible. It will be still visible and it will serve as proof that this wound, this is not some other. This is not a fake man. This is not some imitator. In other words, somebody said this ain't the Antichrist. This ain't the man that was killed. He's going to show you the wound that killed him. And people say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Antichrist because that's the wound that he had. You got it. That's the reason why this present tense verb here is so important. It's because the wound of the Antichrist is going to serve to identify him. The, ant the beast who has the wound from that thing, the sword. So it means whatever killed him from the sword. And now he's alive. So the Antichrist will have a mark on him. When he rises from the dead again, notice the similarity when Jesus rose from the dead and you already should be catching on to this. What did he still have in his hands? Remember John? Remember Thomas? What did he still have in his side in a resurrected body? He still kept those marks and those marks identified. I'm the one that they put on the cross. Remember those parts? 
I'm the one. Okay, and the Antichrist is doing the same thing. That's why we call him again, what? Antichrist, unholy trinity. Okay, now let's bring this section to a close. Concerning the false prophet, this other beast, he was, it was given to him to, to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all small and the great, rich and the poor, free men and the slave to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And I'm going to stop there at verse 16 because I need to deal with 15 alone and then we'll get to the rest of it. It goes together. So what did the false prophet do? The, this other beast. He created an image and we know that is, this is the fulfillment of what Jesus said to the Jewish people, the abomination of desolation. It coincides with what the Antichrist does when he breaks the peace treaty, Daniel chapter nine, that he made with the Jewish people. How does he break it? He culminates by allowing this false prophet, remember he does everything in the presence of the beast, to go into the temple there will be a third temple built in Jerusalem at this time. He's going to go into the holy place of the temple and erect. He will build some kind of image. I honestly think it'll be an image of a man because in a similar way that we see happen. And this is the language, the idea that's going on with Nebuchadnezzar, who is an anti-type. Nebuchadnezzar is a type of Antichrist. Nebuchadnezzar had an image built and commanded everybody to worship that image. And we think it's an image of himself because Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. In the dream, it was the picture of a man, head of gold, chest of silver and arms and the thighs of bronze and legs of iron and toes of iron and steel. Remember that? It was the picture of a man. And so Nebuchadnezzar, after that, everybody, he creates an image, puts it up and tells everybody, worship that image. I think that's the idea that's probably working out here. So it's the false prophet who is building this image. And he is, and notice something, let me get to 15. He gave breath to the image and made it speak. He brought it. To life, the false prophet deriving power from the Antichrist. I, I, don't ask me how it works. All I can tell you is what the scripture says makes an inanimate object come to life. This is not far fetched to believe. And first of all, I believe it simply because the Bible said it. I don't have to understand it. But it's not far fetched to believe because you saw this happen before. When unsaved people through the power of Satan caused an inanimate object to come to life. Where did you see that? In the book of Exodus, the magicians. And I talked about that in this chapter, the magicians of Pharaoh, Moses, by the power of God, made his staff come to life. And Pharaoh's magicians, by the power of Satan, made theirs come to life. Now you see it happening again. Okay. So there is this image in the holy place 
of the Jewish temple and the image is alive in some way. And notice an amazing thing can speak. How can you speak without being able to think? Apparently you can think too. It's alive. That's what I'm trying to say. It's alive. What in the world? It would be an age of wonders, an age of miraculous powers. And that's why Jesus himself said that there will be such signs and miraculous things done in the world that if it were possible, it could even deceive the elect of God. But that won't be possible. That means people who are genuinely saved. So all the thing I'm trying to say is this. It will be an age of wonders and, and what we call it today, what we'll say today of magic. OK, but it's not going to be magic. It will be demonic powers operating at a level that has never happened in this world. Satan will be shown out. That's what I'm trying to say. OK, but nevertheless. So he this false prophet, this other beast is given supernatural power to do things that is just incredible to see, to make things, uh, some kind of a statute or something come to life. And he tells everybody worship this image because the, the image in the temple is representative of the antichrist. So to worship the image. So if you come to the temple to worship or whatever, when you do that, you are acknowledging you are worshiping the Antichrist, the beast. And then he says at the end of verse number 15, that if you refuse to worship, and remember those, the only ones who refuse to worship, he just talked about it, are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. If you refuse to worship the beast, that is, and his image, you will die. So we ought to, we automatically know all believers, all Christians during that time won't worship him. So that simply goes back to the whole point that I was emphasizing. You want to be saved now or else refusal to worship the antichrist will result in your death. They will not, you, there will be no freedom of religion. There will be one religion and that's his. How does he seek to control all of the populations of the world? See it? And this is the world population. How does the Antichrist, through the other beast, the false prophet, third member of the unholy trinity, how does he seek to control all the whole world? 16. He causes all, small and the great, rich and the poor, free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So that's what he does. How does he control the populace? He does it by making everyone get a mark. So what, what, what people will be looking for, do you have a mark? Do you have a mark? If you don't have the mark, you give an op you'll be given an opportunity to accept the mark.
You'll see this later on as well in the book of Revelation. To accept the mark is to accept the Antichrist as God. Worship him as God, which ultimately means you are worshiping Satan. Satan is your God if you'll accept that mark. Okay? To reject the mark of the Antichrist is to accept Jesus as Messiah. Jesus as the Christ and Lord and, and God and God the Father. That's what you're accepting. You got it? So the false prophet comes up with the idea. He said, make everybody accept a mark. And 16 is simply saying, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're Bill Gates and who, who is that guy? Richest man in the world, owner of Amazon. <laughs> Name is escaping me right this time. I don't care who you are, rich or poor, free. I don't care if you're a slave and there will be slavery during that time. We'll talk about that as we're moving on. Slavery, not just now. And slavery is existing now. It's going to increase. It doesn't matter. That means without respect to your social status, you're going to get the mark. The mark will be placed either on your right hand or on your forehead. Okay. 17, he says, what is the purpose? Control. That's the purpose. Control. You cannot buy or sell. And, and that is used in the generic sense. Whatever it is, clothes, food, you cannot engage in commerce. Some way or another, you're going to have to have proof that you are, you've accepted the Antichrist. So, or you can't pay your bills, whatever. And I don't want to make a long story out of that. Whatever it is in engaging in buying and selling any type of commerce, if you don't have the mark of the beast, you can't go to Kroger's. You can't go to a 7-Eleven. You can't do it. So basically, Christians will be starving to death for the most part because the natural way to buy things like we do, you can't do it. All right. And that's the idea. Unless you have the name of the beast or the number of his name, that is allegiance to the Antichrist. And since we bring out as we move in verse number 17, the name of the beast, number of his name, it begs the question, what is his name or well, what is his number? And that's what verse 17 will answer. 18, I'm sorry, will answer. Here is wisdom. See it now? That's why it's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and that is, and his number is 666. Okay. Here is wisdom. So you want to know what his name is or what is that that reference to his number? Those who are wise, see there, let him who has understanding, those which will be the saints of God. God's people will be able to identify who the, anti, that, who the Antichrist is. Who he is, and what I mean by that is, this man is not who he's claiming to be. He is not God. He is not the Christ. Yes, he rose from the dead, Antichrist. Yes, 
He can do miraculous things. Antichrist. Yes, this man, false prophet, is doing supernatural stuff, causing fire to come down from heaven to try to make you believe that this man is the Antichrist. He's built an image, the false prophet, in the temple, made it come to life, telling you worship the Antichrist. They're liars. They're liars. Why? For the scripture has foretold the identity of the man of sin. You'll know him by his name and the number. Okay. Calculate the number of the beast. His name. So let me say this so you can get it. This is what we call gematria. All right. In Hebrew, Hebrew has 22 letters. Yeah, Hebrew, Hebrew. Aleph, Beit, Gimel, what is it? Dalit, Hey, Wow, Zion, Chet, Tet, Yod, Kaf, Lamed, Mem, Nun, Samak, Ayin, Pei, Sadek, Kof, Resh, Sin, Shin, Tov. Hebrew letters. Okay? But 22 Hebrew letters. Of those 22 Hebrew letters, they have numbers. Each letter, Aleph, 1, Beit, 2, uh, Gimel, 3. So each, each letter has a number representation. That's what we mean by gematria. When you take the Antichrist's name, whatever his name will be, okay, and you take the letters of his name, convert them into Hebrew characters, into Hebrew characters. And remember, Hebrew characters have a number. So get all those characters, A, 1, say for instance, the next, say for instance his name is Abe, A-B, let's just say it that way, Aleph, Bait. A, one, bait, two. Add them together, three. So if you take the name of the Antichrist, convert whatever his name is to Hebrew characters, take the numeric value of all of those characters and add them together, it will equal 666. And that's how, by what he does, what he says, that is the Antichrist. What he says and the value, the Hebrew value of his name. And that's how you'll be able to identify the Antichrist. That's why it says here is the wisdom and that those who have understanding, they'll figure this out. OK. All right. We are glad to be through with chapter 13. Join us next time as we get into chapter 14 and we talk about the praise that will be given by those 144,000 who are Jews who have been sealed as evangelists during the tribulation. See you then.